Learning for Life at Gustavus is produced by J.J. Aiken and Matthew Dobosensky of the Gustavus Office of Marketing. Will Clark, Senior Communications Studies major and videographer at Gustavus, who also provides technical expertise to the podcast, and me, your host, Greg Castor. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Gustavus Adolphus College. In preparing for today's conversation with my colleague, Dr. Amy Seam of the Department of Theater and Dance at Gustavus, I came across a 2017 Q&A with the then grade 11 dean and varsity girls hockey coach at the Blake School in Minneapolis. Asked by a Blake publication, what teacher inspired you the most and how, he responded, Amy Seam from Gustavus. I took her beginning acting course in the second semester of my senior year to fulfill my arts participation requirement. It turned out to be my favorite class and contributed to my life philosophy of yes and. This would come as no surprise to anyone familiar with Amy's compelling and provocative work as a teacher and director of theater at Gustavus, where she has taught since 1997 and annually directed outstanding productions of both well-known and new plays across the genres. Amy earned her BA in theater and English from Wesleyan University, her MFA in theater directing from Northwestern University, and her PhD in theater from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She's an expert in the history of improv and theater for social justice. She wrote about the former in her groundbreaking 2001 book, Whose Improv Is It Anyway? And she both teaches a course in the latter and mentored the acclaimed, though now alas disbanded, I Am We Are student troupe at Gustavus, which performs skits during new student orientation about such topics as racism, heterosexism, and sexual assault. Amy is also a playwright whose work has been featured and well-received in the Minnesota Fringe Festival, and she has conducted workshops around the U.S. and abroad. Her work in the classroom, on stage, and in print is terrific, as well as timelier than ever given our present historical moment, and I'm delighted to speak with her about her work for the podcast. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Wow, what a great introduction. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I've always wanted to talk to you. I mean, one of the things about doing this that I've said before is the chance to talk with colleagues about their work, you know, because usually we just see each other in passing or or on a on a committee. Um, I've never been on stage, I guess, other than, well, I did tap dancing once. I forgot about <laughs> it. I've, I've repressed that memory when That's I was a little. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I've, you know, oh God, it was with a sombrero. The whole thing was crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was, um, but anyway, I guess it was the Mexican hat dance. Any, in any case, um, I, you know, I've absolutely fascinated by by the theater um and acting and and, and directing uh what little i know about it and so all, all of which is why uh, i'm anxious to speak with you in addition to the social justice dimension of your uh work because as you may know i teach haven't taught in a while but i teach a course on the history of american radicalism and we mm. do work a little bit oh in the 1930s too and we look at uh, a little bit of theater in those courses uh, in social justice. But in any case, why don't we start with, um, I like origin stories, so start with uh, that. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And how did you find your way to Wesleyan, a great liberal arts school, uh, and uh, and the theater? Well, I, I'm from New Jersey. I was born in New York City, but um, my memories begin in um, Tenafly, New Jersey, um, from age three, I think on, and, uh, I've always loved theater. My mother's parents did community theater and, mm. you know, um, a- academic theater. 
And um, my father was a lawyer and um, there's, they, my parents met at Brooklyn High School and they were both in um, some of the little shows that they would do. They were in something that's apparently famous in some quarters called Sing that they um, did at um, in the high school there. So in any event, there's old photos of them both in a, in a skit, you know, from that show. And my mother did um, theater at Mount Holyoke. She was the lead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good person of Sichuan. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so there's just been a lot of theatricality in, in the family. And when I was a kid, I'm the oldest of four. I would organize my three younger siblings into little shows <laughs> that they perform. And I remember doing the Emperor's New Clothes and having my youngest sister, who was maybe three at the time, she had one line. The emperor has no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and did you make her repeat that over and over again? And yeah. you're tough director even then, I bet. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I, I got started pretty early um, doing that stuff. And um, so I, I got to Wesley and I remember touring some of the Northeast schools, which growing up in New Jersey, um, the snobbish attitude was that that was really the only places to go. Mm. And um, I, I actually stepped onto the stage at Wesleyan and um, just loved the, the newish theater that they had there. We also had, um, since they had the new theater, the old theater had been turned o- over to the students who had a very active season of student directing student directed plays which I took advantage of when I got there and I was just doing theater all the time and one of the things that was my experience is that I wouldn't get cast by the mainstream directors the the faculty directors um I wasn't the the look they were looking for or uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure what it always was but so I had to create my own works and I created shows for myself to be in <laughs> a lot of sort of cabarets um, where I would sing um, with someone else or um, a few other people um, and then I started feeling more ambitious about the directing aspect of it and realized that um, I couldn't really be in the show if I wanted to have more perspective on the show, you know, to make it successful. So I started um, just directing. Were you, were you actually, I mean, could you take classes in directing at Wesleyan? Is it something you studied? There was one course in in directing. Um, There were acting classes. There was a playwriting class. And actually I, uh, I, I do have a, a bizarre little anecdote because I feel like the course of my entire life was shaped by a, 
uh, one bad answer to a question that I gave (laughs) years ago. I was standing because I was very, very active doing this um, student theater. And I really, I directed a show for the student theater every semester I was at Wesleyan, except the first, very first semester. And um, I ended up doing that rather than assisting um, a faculty person director or being an extra in one of their larger productions. And I was looking at the bulletin board and there was an announcement that one of the faculty was giving a rehearsal techniques class but it was at the same time as another course in Shakespeare, I think, that I was very interested in. And so this faculty guy was behind me and I said, I don't know which one I should take. And he, I, I, I'd like to do rehearsal techniques. And he said, you, what could you possibly learn? And I said, well, you know, you're right. I, I'm going to take the Shakespeare. And I had no, <laughs> I was so clueless that I didn't realize the just sort of dripping sarcasm with which he had said that and the way in which I deeply offended him by not getting it, you know, right. in that moment. And I really didn't have mentorship. I mean, I really was. Uh, I wasn't doing the, oh, I don't know, the um, awestruck admiration or just the bring bring me coffee kinds of things that uh, they thought students should be doing. Um, I, I chose to do my own show, do my own show, do my own show. But when I left Wesleyan, um, it mattered to some degree. I didn't. I didn't get any support from that faculty in my next endeavors, and um, and I think too, just being a a, a woman in yeah. nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I think yeah, exactly. I had to have something to do with it. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, were you? Were these? Um, these plays you were doing at Wesleyan, were they, I mean, were, were you sort of, you, you would do them on your own? I mean, and then what, invite people to come or? or well, how? I mean, we had something called Second Stage at the 92 Theater, which was the old theater building. And it was very well organized. There was a, um, you know, you got elected to the board of it and um, you applied for a week. And you, when you got a week, you got, um Sunday night through Saturday night, I guess, or Sunday through Saturday, you, you, you had a week in the theater and you um, came in, you put your setup, you um, teched it, rehearsed it, opened, had three performances, tore it down. The next person was already waiting to come in and do theirs. That's intense. Yeah, it was very intense, but it, um, it was great uh, opportunity. And there was sort of an uh, um, overarching sort of um, tension between how active that was and what the department faculty were directing because they had a very hard time getting people to do walk-on types of roles. And I, and I have a little more sympathy for that now <laughs> um, than I had when I was a student because 
I certainly um, might look at a student production here and say, oh, well, okay, but I hope I, you know, have enough people to do the main show that we're doing here, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were you you already interested in social justice issues and social justice theater at that point? Um, I was definitely tuned into feminism at an early age. My mother was extremely active in the feminist movement. And um, I remember as a, as a um, teen, as 13 years old, I'm, I think my, my mother was, was very um, turned on, you know, I mean, with a discovery for her, it was a, it was a new, um, event in her life that changed the the course of her life and she was talking about um this that the other and 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 the chairperson of something and i said chairperson that's stupid that sounds so dumb are we gonna say person whole cover mother (laughs) no that's just dumb (laughs) so i remember having that conversation and um today i mean we don't say chairperson. I think well, so some people do. I say chair, but right. so it wasn't easy for me to have my mother suddenly say, um, "I shouldn't have to do the laundry." What are you talking about? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I was exposed to all these ideas. I mean, yeah, my mother founded a, a women's rights in, uh, center in Englewood, oh, wow. New Jersey, and she's got recognized by New Jersey governor. And, you know, so she was, she really, um, she really had an impact in the, in the world. So, I mean, both, both the theater and then social justice are really, you know, in your DNA metaphorically, yeah. speaking, I guess. Yeah. yeah. From, so from Wesley and you went on to Northwestern, I think of, I, I don't know if I'm right about this, you know, more than I, but I has a very good, uh, you know, acting theater program, of course, Chicago, home to second city. Um, What was it? What was it about Northwestern that attracted you? Well, um, yeah, all all of that. I mean, it it, it is kind of interesting that even at Wesleyan, I was involved in a little student improv troupe. And that's very early, actually, to be in the 70s doing improv. because today there's an improv troupe at every college campus, but then it was, it was actually pretty new. Um, so I already had that interest from Wesleyan. And when I went to the Chicago area, obviously the improv is there. Um, but, um, I actually had a struggle at Northwestern because I went immediately after undergraduate, um, and at Wesleyan, we were very kind of conceptual and experimental, and we'd say, what show are you doing? Oh, what's your concept, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And at Northwestern, I, you know, my joke is that people would say, who's your agent? (laughs) (laughs) A very different attitude about, um what people were doing and why they were doing it. And I just didn't really fit in. And um, so it it was difficult for me, but I did um, 
I did uh, was chosen to direct a, the the a winning play of the playwriting contest, which was um, a musical about um, the relationship between an African American uh, young woman and a, a white young man who both had applied to the same medical school and she got in and he didn't, but he had better grades and there was like tension around that. And, um, that was a very intense experience working with this interracial cast, um, around, around, uh, you know, um, racial, uh, issue. Yeah. In 1980. Yeah. Uh, and at one point, I think there was a, a school newspaper saying the, the only people who are really talking to each other across race are the people doing this show. Huh. You know, so that, that was interesting. So, I, yeah. It was, I mean, have you done, is that, if you've ever done that play again? I mean, that sounds like a play that could be done today. That's a good point. I have no, I have not. I've lost track of the playwright, but I'm, I'm going to, I think it'd be good to track her down. I think it was a really well done. And um, the lead male was Michael Greif, who went on to direct Rent. Oh, yeah. New York. Uh, and I've always That's thought, cool. well, if I had very wealthy parents, <laughs> <laughs> I might have been able to do that too. Yeah. Well, so were you? Were, and I want to talk about your book, um, okay. whose, whose improv is it anyway? Which is, it's just just terrific. It's you know, it's, it's an important book, recognized as such by uh, people in the field, by your peers. But so, were you already kind of at work on that while you were at Northwestern, or did that wait until you? Oh you know, yeah. That was part of my collected experience of improv, but um, not for quite some time did I think about writing about it. I, you know, I went through another couple of phases in my um, journey um, and had this theater company in New Haven where we were doing original work and I was doing feminist plays, but also um, big outdoor productions of Shakespeare. And I used improvisation to create some of my original works. And there were some young men in particular who got involved with us and said, you know, this improvisation stuff, we should be doing an improv comedy show. Or uh, can I get the phone numbers of the people in your improvisation class because I'm going to put together an improv comedy troupe. And I said, well, no, you can't have the phone numbers of the people <laughs> that I'm working with, but you can um, do an improv troupe under the auspices of our theater. You know, how about? And so this improv troupe was formed and I was in it. Um and uh, there were some really good times, but there was incredible sexism. Huh. And I, I was bewildered because I was using improvisation to create 
collaboratively these, you know, I had, had a play called Oops, I Forgot to Get Married <laughs> <with this. laughs> about being a single woman. And, you know, I had a group of eight, eight women and we would get together and talk about what it was like to be a woman. And then we'd improvise scenes and then we'd make, you know, make this play together. And I did a number of that, those kinds of projects. So to me, um, improvisation should have been um, comfortable way to work. And in fact, I, I right. was con- constantly feeling left out or pressured or sort of bullied. And, um, and that group ended up sort of, um, we kind of ended up um, parting ways with that group <laughs> over some, I think some pretty sexist stuff they were doing. I can tell you're, you're trying to, you're trying to say it in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> and so then fast forward to um, coming up with an idea for a dissertation. At, at, Mad- at Madison. Madison. And I said, you know, um, I've always wondered how does improv get so sexist? Why is it so sexist when everything that Viola Spolin wrote was about support each other and collaborate and all of, you know, all of the rhetoric around improv is about um, equity and, and mutual support and so forth. And I said to my advisor, you know, I want to write about how, how improv is so sexist. And she said, everything's sexist. You know, why, why is that news? <laughs> why is that of interest? Because, you know, every, it's self-evident that thing, you know, uh, things are sexist. And I said, well, it's because the, they, the claim for it, the, the, the way it's talked about, the way it's promoted is always about how, how um, egalitarian it is and how communal it is. And, but that's right. not what really happens. Or my experience is that it's not what really happens, but I don't think I'm alone in that. And actually, once I really got into the research and was going from Madison to Chicago very often, driving back and forth and interviewing women in Chicago who, did improv um they were i got so much material from women who said oh my god yes <laughs> i have a story for you or sure. yeah where you know this is our lives you know and some of the best people who've, who've been involved have left the field because they're so fed up with the way women are treated and so uh, it was a very rich field to be to be researching, and um, you know, fast forward again when I um, published the book, there was all kinds of reaction. I had uh, comments on Amazon and so forth, every everywhere from "Thank God someone's finally talking about this. This is exactly what um, I'm experiencing." To she doesn't know what she's talking about. She clearly doesn't understand improv. It's clear she has her own personal issues and problems that she's <laughs> dealing with. And uh, so I got these four, you know, four or five star things, and then these mm-hmm. one star or you know uh, things for the book. And um, 
Well, you were pulling back the veil, yeah. you know, and that, that's always that's going to that's going to generate some yeah. comments like that. But yeah. you're also clearly, I mean, I was thinking, you know, thinking about this today, getting ready for our conversation. You know, your book, your book isn't the feminine mystique, I understand. But in a way, you're doing the same thing. You're naming a problem that everyone is experiencing. Yeah. You know, you're identifying it, and, 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 but kind of not talking about. Right. And I can just imagine, imagine the, some of the women just, you know, yeah, just <laughs> feeling great relief and pouring out their, yeah. their stories. Um, were, you, were, you, were you interviewing people from Second City or, or not? I did interview some people from Second City. And then, I mean, what, one of the things that happened is that I came into the research with the intention of, learning more about how gender worked uh, in improv and why I'd had the experiences I had had. But what I learned when I was doing the research is that improv had evolved into um, a whole art form that had many different layers by now. You know, Second City or the Compass starts in 1955 and it's but it, it's sort of by the 80s, really, that that we have um, – there's Improv Olympic, which does a whole other form called Long Form, and mm-hmm. then proliferated all these other teams, and, the, um, and then lots of independent little improv troops, and then other – you know, it, it just – it's gotten exponentially uh, larger every year. And meanwhile, there was this uh, British um, improv guru who was who had independently invented his form of improv because the Chicago improv is based on Viola Spolin's work. And Johnston, Keith Johnston, created this theater sports um, that again made teams. And there are teams today in Shanghai in. Hmm. Nigeria and Japan and in uh, um, India all over, you know, um, so everywhere. I just did a workshop, an online workshop. I was a student in it that was based in Bangkok <laughs> hmm. and had students from, you know, all over Asia and then and then also some European and American people involved so it's just exploded yeah that's interesting because you think of i mean well partly because i'm a chicagoan um you know i think of improv immediately of course i think of second city and then i don't really think much beyond that in fact isn't the the i think the subtitle of your book is uh, yeah. beyond beyond second city yeah and what i'm learning just now i mean speaking with you is the, the extent to which there are you know, which makes sense when I think about it, when I hear you speak about it, different kinds of improvs. It's not just sort of you, you stand up and start, you know, whatever comes into your head, different methods or different approaches. So that that's well, interesting. It's emerged over time. I mean, and, and what's, you know, I was saying the rhetoric about being equal and collaborating. Improvisation has this um, association with social justice um, back to jazz and back to, you know, um, the ways in which op- oppressed people manage to be creative or um, have agency even within an oppressive 
situation, right? So a lot of the, and I'm sure you encounter it when you're doing the, the 30s radicalism and so on, people use the the notion of improvisation as uh, equivalent to freedom, as equivalent to breaking out right. the prescription, the prescripted yeah. way that people are supposed to obey the script and the right. rules. And so it has that. Um, yeah, there's a subversive or radical yes. impulse to it. I, yeah. And that's yeah. been important to, to people who've done it. But then once it tries to become commercial, it right. starts to shift. Yeah, which is, which is an old story. I mean, yeah. in, in so many, in so many um, areas. Yeah. You know, the, you're also reminding me, I'm having a flashback here. So our, our now retired colleague, Professor Emeritus of Theater and Dance, Robert Gardner, Rob Bob Gardner, okay. he was doing a talk once about his teaching in Japan. and. Yeah. Oh, maybe I was host. Maybe oh, I was a shop talk at Gustavus, and I think I was hosting it. But so then he had us. He was talking about how he was teaching improv, and then he had us in the audience turn to you know the person to our right or left and mm-hmm. and try to do some improv. I found it. I found it. You know, I always thought oh, this. I would be. This would be fun. I'd be so good at this. I found it incredibly difficult. Oh. To do, I mean, you know, I, I mean, surprisingly difficult is is you've done it. I mean, you've done so much of it. you've directed, you've done it yourself. What 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 is it about improv that that draws you to it? Is it this this sense of freedom, or what 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 do you like about it? I was terror. I was terrified actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I've now spent years kind of critiquing um, improv, and yet I do love it. So it's kind of it's a, a strange. Um, borderline to be walking because I do think there are ways that people have structured the way it's taught and the way it's performed that um, work to create a sense of freedom um, for white men. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And, but, but with an insistence that that's a universal quality that um, so I, I, I'm both, I'm both critiquing it and and wanting to love it at the same time. Um, Yeah. I mean, part of it um, is that if, and it goes back to my college days or even to my childhood, if you're not the person that the plays are already about, you can create your own. Uh, You might sit down and write it, or you might, develop it collaboratively with other people um, through improvisation. And in fact, a number of the, you know, early feminist theaters used um, improvisation as a technique for um, developing material. Yeah, that's interesting. The idea that you can create... you can create an identity, I guess, right? But but in but is it? It's always it's in collaboration, right? I mean, you're not yeah, just. That's the trick. One of the things I'm finding is that if you have um, a like-minded group um, who share more or less the same values and background, then it's fairly comfortable to just um, be creating and um, assuming that you're troop mates will support what you're doing, recognize the references you're making, um, 
join into the scene that you're initiating and so on. And in the interviews that I did in Chicago, um, it was very interesting and revealing because um, one woman who who worked at Second City, who, you know, performed at Second City, as well as other theaters there, she said, "Um, well, yeah, I mean, we all speak white male. (laughs) We all know how to do that, you know. Um, So when we're because there's a thing called group mind in improv that um they uh champion and say this is where you get the flow experience this is where you get the magic is when the whole troop is on the same page and somehow magically you all know what the next thing should be and how the story will end and how it's going to happen and it's cosmic it's it's magic. It's, 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 it's tapping into the universal, um, you know, story of man and so on. And, but then here she says, well, yeah, okay. But we, it, because we all speak white male, it, it, yeah. it actually isn't universal. Yeah. It's a, it's a universal white male. <laughs> which, which is what we mostly learn to, to call the universal. Right. I mean, right. that's, that's our uh, still pretty much our understanding of what universal is. <laughs> yeah. The, um, you know, I mean, so what, what about the, the idea when I think of, um, well, let, when I, when I think of social justice theater, I think of serious stuff, <laughs> heavy stuff, rightly or wrongly. And then when I think of improv, I think of comedy, right. again, rightly or wrongly. But those two things, are, I mean, is that correct? I mean, are there social justice comedies that are also, are there, Are there? I mean, is improv a part of drama as well? Yeah, I, I, I would make a distinction between improv comedy performance and using improvisation to create um a social justice piece or something like that. Part of what I encountered when I was doing the research was people saying to me, um, well, you can't have a political agenda going into improv because the pure form of improv is that you don't plan ahead. You don't, you stay open to what's going to happen between you and your partner. You don't um, think you just do, you go, you are spontaneous. And that's the only way that the magic happens. And um, I said, well, feminist agenda, do, do you understand that no, no agenda is, is the, you know, the mainstream power of people's agenda that there's right. no agenda oh no you know and i got yeah. a huge pushback on that idea but most people doing improv have for decades said that it's just incompatible with being political because you can't control the message um and you sh- and for the most part you shouldn't want to but recently i'm seeing much more um, improv that's that's being uh, deliberately political, and I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm trying to write a, a new book. <laughs> it's very hard because things keep happening mm-hmm. um, that you know I should have in, I should include. So I 
but there's a group in Bangalore, India, and their whole focus mm-hmm. is um, is doing political improv. Now, again, if if you if they know that they're all on the same page, they can improvise. It's a question of you know what's the makeup of your group and um, are you having a pressure to consensus that's not very uh, legitimate or uh, so and that and that was a trend too that I found in my research that people of color, women, um, gay gay and lesbian people would form their own improv troops. Hmm. So that because they would feel that they really couldn't um, spontaneously create scenes that were about their own experience because they if they were in a mixed group, because the other the other improvisers just didn't understand enough about what they were putting out. And so they'd end up just representing the gay person or the black person or the. Yeah. Um, But if they're in a group of all people. Um, with that, uh, the same identity, then they all know, you know, they have enough in common that the consensus is in a different place and they can create. And so those groups were, became more political. Yeah. That's interesting because if they're in a, if let's say they're in a, what we would say a diverse group, then well, it's maybe harder for them to be as creative as they can be if they're in an all black group or all women's groupers. And that's it. That's interesting. Especially because the material is coming out is emergent, right? Yeah. Material is coming out spontaneously. And, um, it, there's actually a, a lot of tension around it because can there's much, much, much more pressure to be politically correct now in improv but how do you um, match that up with the notion that you're supposed to be completely spontaneous? Well, you should not have any subconscious bias, but that's <laughs> a pretty hard. And I've said, right. you know, I've said to, to people, my feminism is still conscious. My instinctive reaction is to calm the angry man down however I ha- I have to do it, right? <laughs> right. Um, or to yeah. hurt or to whatever. But if I think I try to be, you know, more, have more self-respect, <laughs> you know? So, so things that, and, and Keith Johnston that I mentioned before said, you have to admit, you have to accept that ugly things are going to come out if you just completely freely uh, improvise and that's okay, but yeah, it's, that's, uh, yeah. it's not okay today. Yeah. That's, I, I wonder about that. And I wonder about that. This is actually a, a, a perfect segue into your work with um, I am, we are at Gustavus um, because that's, I mean, that's improv, right? I mean, it's, it's well, not. The material gets developed that way. And I, I'm, um, I have to say, that group is not no longer uh, functioning is no longer happening for the last like four years now. Yeah. That's sad. I wondered about that because it did such good, you did such good work with them and they did such, such good work, but how did, how did that work? I mean, because they were dealing with some controversial subjects in front of, you know, uh, incoming students, 
as I mentioned in my intro, I mean, racism, sexism, heterosexism, et cetera. Yeah. Um, how did that, let I me mean, talk a little bit about and how that be, worked. Uh, um, Vanita Vactor, who was a guest um, professor at Gustavus before I got here, um, did that a lot of that work with a, with a group of students and taught them about theater of the oppressed, which is um, Augusto Boal's um, social justice theater technique that um, where people create scenes um, to illustrate oppressive situations and then invite audience members to participate in um, suggesting solutions and 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 then. Boal really wanted audience members to get up and participate in in uh, the solution ideas, and it, he has a, had a number of different approaches and techniques that he used for theater of the oppressed. And um, when I first came to Gustavus and her um, she, her guest um, stay was done, she had already left. But Denise Iverson Payne was still carrying it on out of the diversity center. Right. Uh, they still were using that kind of technique. Um, but as the years went by, it became more and more um, about individuals writing things and bringing them in to the group to be um, improvised around or, you know, uh, played with. But um, not primarily initiated through improvisation. And there were a number of reasons why, why that happened. One of which is um, the group started doing the, um, Oh, um, what's that March thing? Uh, I forget the, not the, the pluribusum that, not the, 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 um, the conference. Oh, the building bridges conference. I couldn't remember building bridges for whatever. Right. Yeah, the social justice conference that the students do. Right. So, I and we are became a really key element of that conference. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm very proud of how many of the speakers would say what the troop did. That that is what you should be doing or that is what explains exactly the point I'm trying to make and so um we always got a lot of excellent feedback from out um, oh yeah. Yes, yeah. Mean. But um to do a show about um environmental racism or you know isn't something you just improvise from your own experience. Sure. Right? So you have to do research and and write something and then and also I don't know it, it was easier for people to 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 write something and bring it in and, and move things along faster. It's, it's, ugh, I should write a book about this too someday, but the generations of students and the over 20 years um, who participated in that group and the things that shifted and changed over time and the last few years where students were increasingly unwilling to um, represent, uh, to, to, to be seen as there to represent their identity. 
Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that, so that's, that, that helps to explain (laughs) what's happened. Um, You should do a book. I mean, that's, I'm just thinking about how as the context has changed, then some of this is around, I suppose, PC maybe, but some of it too is around this idea that identity is fluid. I don't want to be, uh, I mean, so many of my students, young people seem to feel that I don't want to be this or, or identify right. just as this. I don't want to be a token in your social yeah. justice thing. Right. No. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, so, so you've directed so much at Gustavus. I mean, my God, in all kinds of different plays. I wonder, um, I'm always curious about, you know, I mean, I, I just love thinking about behind the scenes. Um, and so I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about the actual work of directing. I mean, you can pick an actual play you've worked on if you like, but, you know, also just in general, what does directing involve? Oh, right? okay. Well, you are collaborating with um, different groups of artists and trying to create um, a, a unified vision for what the production's go- going to be while still respecting the artistry of the uh, various artists that you're working with. So, you know, I I come in usually with a, a, a reason that I've chosen this play and something that I'm interested in saying through the play. And sometimes I have a, a visual image or something I want to do um, physically with it. And then, um, I meet with the designers and explain those, those things to them. And then each designer goes, goes off and creates a design, which I then have to interact with and, um, both respect their work, but also kind of say, well, actually that's not really saying what I'm, what I going <laughs> to say. And, um, or, um, she does, she looks terrible in that, you know, or something. <laughs> um, and then you're working with, um, the actors and it's quite different to be working with student actors. Yeah. At, I wondered about that. Yeah. And at Gustavus, they're undergraduates. So that's, there's no graduate students to play older roles, for example. So that makes a difference. And Gustavus students are very overcommitted. So that, makes a difference because you you really can't um expect to uh, the 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 level of time or the level of commitment sometimes um that you might otherwise want to do how long i mean how how much rehearsing goes on for for a typical play if there is i mean at gustavus let's say you're doing a you know pick a play i don't know you're doing you know yeah, I mean, what? what yeah. It depends to some extent, but I would say something like eight or nine weeks of wow. four nights a week. Wow. And then an intense tech weekend and um, tech week. Um, the tech weekend is all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And then your dress rehearsals and then after all that you do three performances. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's an that's a. I mean, that's a that's an incredible time commitment on your part, and yeah. and as you say, the student parts. Yeah, but you know, don't 
do theater if you don't enjoy rehearsing. I mean, if it's all about only about the final product, then that's a very small percentage. Yeah, which which is an important message for undergraduates, not just Gustavus undergraduates to to hear. It's the same. Uh, I mean, it's the same in any endeavor, right? I'm t- t- talking in some of my classes about writing, you know, okay, here is a history book. This is the final product and you love it. But think about all the work that has gone into this or even just one article. I mean, um, yeah. So I, I think that's an important message. Um, sometimes I think young people, I, I, I shouldn't general, but some people don't have that kind of, someone I know would say a stick to itness. I mean, they, you know, they want to get to the final product, the fun part, right? Without necessarily all the sweat and tears uh, on the way and the fun too, that can, it's, you know, not just sweat and tears, right? Mixed with fun. What about, do you have a favorite, um, I mean, you've done musicals, you've done dramas, you've done comedies, you've done everything I can think of. Um, do you have a favorite genre you like to work with or a favorite playwright or a favorite play? Well, I to direct. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple in uh, in different ways. Um, one of my favorite playwrights is Carol Churchill, and I oh yeah, a number of her plays. She's a British playwright who uses sort of a somewhat Brechtian technique, where you're um, there's realistic scenes, but then there's also fantasy things, and um, she, she did a play called Cloud Nine. Mm-hmm. Where the first act is in colonial Africa, and there's a family, and the um, the wife is played by a male actor, and the husband is played. She has people cross gender playing parts to heighten the performative uh, quality of gender. Of oh, gender, yeah, that's cool. And then in the second act, you're in modern day. And the same actors are now playing different roles, but the family—it's the family—it's still the family, and they're twenty years older, even though a hundred years have gone by. <laughs> so anyway, I just—I—it's a very funny, effective play, and um, her other plays are, are great. So when uh, my first play here at Gustavus, I did *Mad Forest* by Carol Churchill, she, um, which is about the Romanian. Um, you know, revolution kind of, um, it takes place during right. Romanian. Um, and, uh, I think it, I'm a director in an educational context. And I do yeah. think that having young people going through the process of understanding the text, embodying the characters, you know, going through the, um, the process of uh, living it, um, learn so much about the issue in ways that just reading the book or hearing the lecture is, is not going to do. And what I look at, but I also want it to be entertaining. I do want, I don't think it should be, um, dire and, um, you know, social justice theater you sh- shouldn't make you think, "Oh God, I'm going to be right." Which, which is that's what I was getting at earlier when I when I think of when I hear the phrase, that's sort of what I think of. Oh my God, you know, yeah. I'm going to need a drink after this or whatever. But it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way, as you're saying. It could be very funny, exactly. 
Yeah, and should be and entertaining. And, um, you know, this this is also what you were just saying about you're a director in an educational context. That's exactly right. I think that's incredibly important uh, to, to think about. You obviously do think about that, but that's a, that's a, that's a perfect segue to, to my next question, which is, um, what, what's the case for theater at a small liberal arts college? And I want to say, I have to say, I, I mean, I've, I don't know how many plays I've gone to, not as many as you, obviously, but that from day one at Gustavus, I have just been blown away by the talent of our students uh, on stage, you know, whether whether it's in choir or wh- whatever. But the, uh, I used to joke we should be the Juilliard of the Midwest or something. Oh, you know, give, yeah. give up on everything else. But what 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 is the what what is it about um, theater in the context of the liberal arts that you think is important? Why be it? Why be a theater major at Gustavus? What's your pitch? There's a different. There's a couple of different uh, ways to come at that. I mean. Uh, a lot of times we have students who want to major in theater and then they say, well, but my parents want me to have a practical major. And I'll say, look, you know, pursuing a theater career would be fine and great. You might not, you might not think that you're going to be a professional actor, but the work you do in the theater prepares you for anything. You have to work collaboratively with others. You have to articulate ideas. You have to work to deadline. You have to um, analyze text. I mean, there's there's every skill that anybody looking for somebody um, in a corporate setting, if that's where you ended, end up, um, or any setting, um, would value. And our students... A lot of times they, they go into activism or um, social services, uh, um, become um, ministers, uh, become people who are, are using the interactive skills, the people skills, the expressive and creative skills that we need to forge our way Right. right. Things are changing so fast. I, I could say I'm I'm trained in something, or I could say I'm trained in being trainable. I'm trained exactly. in improvising and in yeah know, finding finding a way to do it, um, so that everyone can enjoy it. And you know, so yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Skills in the world. Yeah. Yeah. The um. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking too. I mean, one of the, one of the things I definitely like about teaching <laughs> is is the performative aspects of it. I, I do. I that's I do love that. And I mean, you know, you, you some teachers are absolute hams. I I, I I like to think I'm not one, but you know, where where it's sort of for me anyway, painful to watch. But it's a performance, um, I think, and I love that about it. And I'm now thinking maybe you know, given what you just said, in fact. Um, you know, taking a theater class ought to be required of everybody at a liberal arts college. Um, because, you know, you think about what we do out in the world, right? So just our, our daily interactions, you know, in the workplace and beyond, um, our, our performances of some sort. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. And we, man, we just have such a fabulous uh performing arts track record at Gustavus. You know, the other thing I wanted to ask you, by the way, is the facility. Say a little word about that at Gustavus, especially. It's exciting that we have this new space that's just yeah. opened, the Gardner 
theater. Um, it's Name a, for Rob, a, right? Rob, yeah, Rob and Judy. Oh, both Rob and Judy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful black box theater. And, and what's good about that is that it's flexible. You can use it in any configuration by moving the chairs into different um you know, shapes and so forth. And, um, it's perfect for experimental theater and, um, supports devised theater. And, um, but also it's a great place to do something classical in a, in a new way. Um, Mm -hmm. I just uh, really enjoy having audience feel part of a show and, uh, and I try to have different ways in which there's interaction between the show and the, and the audience. And yeah, you're known, you're known for that again, in preparing <laughs> for this conversation. I've, I've I mean, read, there was a piece about you in the New York times way back when, when yeah. you were doing, uh, I guess it was maybe Shakespeare on the green in New Haven. And uh, the, the author of the article pointed that out, that you yeah. were, you know, that meant a lot to you even then. Sure. Uh, that, that audience interaction. I mean, it's like if you you have to engage the audience, and in order to engage the audience, you have to know what it is you are saying and what you mean and why you're saying it. And you see Shakespeare, where it's pretty clear, even at the Guthrie, that the that the actors are doing their iambic pentameter and their Shakespearean imagery, but they don't really understand you know the nuances of what they're saying and that (laughs) makes it um really opaque for an audience and the audience leaves and says well i guess i just don't get shakespeare (laughs) no they're not they're not invested in what they're saying and they're not so i love doing shakespeare and i love doing shakespeare in a way that will reach the current audience and i just did measure for measure um as a very you know um major statement around me too the me too movement because it's it's uh, centers around a sexual harassment you know um sleep with me or um your brother dies story right (laughs) and um and uh, in fact some of my colleagues we'd be my friends from graduate school before i even um announced i was doing measure for measure were quoting that play in response to the brett kavanaugh <laughs> hearing oh, <that's> <laughs> there's a line in it that says like who will believe thee isabel my reputation is such that you will be dismissed you know you, you won't be believed and it, uh, it's more eloquent than that but um that's great so, yeah. So, and I, I was going to say when I was saying Carol Churchill, that Shakespeare is my other, my other favorite way to go because there's, he always gives, um, the oppressed characters still have humanity and they still have eloquence and you can turn the play to, to highlight, um, different, um, points of view that you want to highlight. Right. Yeah, that's true. I t- one of my favorite courses as uh, I guess I was in, I can't remember if it was an undergraduate or graduate course. I'm somebody an undergraduate, but it was a, a course on Shakespeare, for which I still have the book. I can remember the professor uh, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, you, the other thing we we should mention here by way of by way of closing uh, is that. Even with the pandemic, even with COVID-19, uh, you and your colleagues are still planning 
a season, whether that season will be in person or online or <laughs> hybrid, dare we say. <laughs> uh, Tell yeah. us a little bit about what, what's, what's, what's on tap. What are you planning uh, to produce this well, coming spring? Coming up very soon um, in a couple of weeks is um, Henry McCarthy's radio play that he um, did with a, a big group of students. And they you know, t- turned their attention to, to learning that art form, which, uh, you know, has a great history. Um, what my plan is to, I'm very hopeful that I'll be in person with the actors. <laughs> when we did, um, we did Mother Courage and we suddenly all had to go home. We kept, um, trying to to make mother courage but everyone was individually in their own home so any kind of scene we we tried to do on video or on zoom had to be with um you know had to fake the notion that they were in the same room together at all but what i'm hoping is i'm first i'm doing um rosencrantz and gildenstern are oh god i love that i love that play it's very um existentialist and it's very much about Playing, playing with uh, the the nature of reality and what is theater? What is life? What is you know? What That's is Stopper Thompson. I just love I love his stuff and I love that play. So fascinating. So what I I'm hoping and planning is that we can be creative in how we videotape scenes and then present it as an experimental video. And that the that the experimental quality can serve the the uncertainty principle of the of the play of saying which yeah. things are real and which things are not. And then in the spring, I'm doing Three Sisters by Chekhov. Oh. And the no, first of all, I'm even hoping harder that um, we're able to have the actors get together. But again assuming that audiences still may not be comfortable to come to the theater. So in that case, um, we're going to try to create it like uh, a staged film, you know, a f- uh, filmed stage production where we do multiple takes and we do editing um, and we work with realistic acting in that sort of American way that, dovetailed right into to film you know um so film and acting for the camera is a certainly a skill that the students are excited about learning you know as they say in your business the show must go on now in this case it must go on maybe in new forms but it's got to go on and um i mean i just think the arts are so important not i mean they're of course important at any time, but in a time like this, when there seems to be so much darkness uh, around us, the, the arts are so, so important. If I were in charge, we would be investing mightily in the arts, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but I'm not in charge. Um, no, I can't let you go. I can't let you go without asking about Hamilton, right? Hype. <laughs> Great. And, you know, what do you think about the casting? In, 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 have you seen it? I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, I've, I saw the Chicago touring oh. production. Okay, yeah. And yeah, I saw I've that. not yet watched the, um, you oh, know, the, the uh, film version, yeah. Version, which yeah. I'm looking forward to, to watching, but it, 
Yeah, I did see that. What do you, what do you think? Thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I think it's terrific. I think mm-hmm. it's um, sort of, it's the kind of thing that um, I love about a Cal Churchill or about um, Shakespeare, where you're, you're being frankly theatrical and using um, things that aren't quite realistic to enliven uh, a story that then needs to be told. And if you, if you just told the, 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 the dry details of it or told students to read an essay about Alexander Hamilton, they're not getting the passion there. You know, they're not getting the vibrance of the, yeah. you know, we're going to create a new country. We're going to, you know, I mean, it's really hard to recapture what the uh, zeitgeist was at a a different historical moment. Right. Right. You're always always saying to the students, like they say, well, why don't the girls just go to Moscow for God's sake? (laughs) Because in that time frame, you have to understand context, context, people, context, historical context. I, I, I think that Hamilton's just a brilliant um, way of bringing something to, to audiences that is both true and not true at the same time, Mm. but is getting us closer to really understanding the excitement and, and passion of that moment than something that would have maybe tried to be very realistic um, yeah, that's well said. I um, I'm a huge fan. I think I've seen it. I have never seen it with Lin Manuel except in the film, but uh, love it, absolutely love it. And uh, you know, I've maybe in passing have mentioned to you. I know our colleague Giri Hong in classics loves it too. We the three of us need to get together and do either do a course or you know one day maybe produce this thing. You can direct. Absolutely, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you. Good luck with all the um, up coming productions yeah. uh, people can can find information on the on the Gustavus website I know and uh, hopefully we'll be back in the black box in Anderson theater uh, before much longer yeah. so take good care I enjoyed it break a leg thank you, thank you. <laughs> right. thanks Amy bye-bye oh, thank you bye thank you.